Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to the final episode of the Quitting Marijuana Podcast. I made it to 15 days clean, the longest I have ever gotten to since starting this podcast, tied with my record, but then struck out yesterday on day 16 while deer hunting with my buddy up north. He offered a toke, and I accepted. Then we spent the rest of the day searching for things we'd set down, uh, whether it was gloves or knives or parts to our muzzle loaders, etc. I don't really think I appreciated the time of execution certain tasks require sober versus high. 15 days clean had me functioning strong. Being high definitely doubled the amount of time it took me, in clean, took me to clean and load my muzzy. Uh, the amount of time it took me to break down the deer I'd shot on our drive. And it doubled the amount of time it took me to pack up all my gear when it was time to go home. Yeah, this hunting trip, basically Deer Camp 2022, was also another opportunity to be a positive influence on a friend of mine whom I actually got back into smoking weed after 25 years of him being clean. So that's pretty shitty, right? Like, dude's been clean 25 years, and then he meets me, and I get him back into smoking weed. It's almost ironic, because this week I read a news article about a kid I went to school with who is now under arrest for possibly raping a toddler. Super, super fucked up. He was a really nice guy, and we were both pretty good friends. Um, He'd been dealt a bad hand. The doctor fucked up his arm when he was born. And so he was supposed to get this large settlement when he turned 18. Well, he, he got all the money, but then fell in with the wrong crowd and spent it all on cocaine and partying. If you're an outsider, it's not really surprising because, you know, he grew up in poverty with a family that normalized drug use. Even though, to my knowledge, up to that point, he'd been sober. Uh, I saw, it's just surprising to me because he was, he was such a good dude. He knew that his life was fucked up and it, it's, I don't know. It was just really hard for me. It was hard for me to see that, that article. You never, you know, an old friend of yours and then they're doing something so fucked up like that. It was just, it was just crazy. I saw him a few years ago. Um, and I knew I'd hurt him, right, by connecting with his younger brother to try to get some bud. Whereas he was actually investing his time in helping our alma mater's wrestling team. I could literally see that hurt in his eyes. That look has haunted me ever since. And then seeing that news article the other day really crushed me. Uh, by the way, his younger brother also knew how fucked up their family was and had made the decision to head into the Marine Corps. But for some reason, and I don't know because he was quite a bit younger than me, he never ended up enlisting and quickly fell into the same poor rural America pattern of working odd construction jobs, not having a car, staying at various people's houses, and using drugs. I actually picked him up. I hadn't seen this kid in so long. I, I'm driving. I picked him up off the side of the road those years back, and I drove him to the house he was walking to. And so that's how I got his number, and that's how I was able to reach him You know, a couple months later about trying to get some bud. Getting that eighth of weed pretty much sums up how much fucking time was wasted trying to get high and how much risk I was willing to take. This fucking kid, I don't know who he was living it with. I think he was just living all over the place. But that house I brought him to, he's like, oh, yeah, come, come meet me here. I'll, I'll hook you up. My, my friend's got stuff. So I pull in, and, of course, it's right on the main drag, right? Right on this main road that everybody and their brother uses to get anywhere in my hometown. And so if you drove past, you would clearly know, oh, there's, you know, there's the Honda, there's the Honda Civic, right? Like, that's that's the car I drive, everybody knows it. So I'm fucking antsy, right? And so I pull in, I got the dog in the back. There's this old man there. It's a garage, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a house, but we're in the garage. There's a, you know, old shitty pool table there, an old shitty speaker system, old shitty couch. You can picture it, dartboard. And 
it's like, oh well, we we can't get any bud right now. We we gotta wait for my the guys that we gotta wait for my son to get here. And so I'm chilling, and he's just staring at me, acting all strange. Sorry, my dog's tweaking out right now. Acting all strange, and you know his wife's trying to talk to me. She knew a couple of girls that I had went to school with, and I'm shooting pool with the kid, um, with the guy I had picked up. And eventually, the son comes over, and he—you can see—he's all flustered and out of breath. Like he basically raced over there, and he had a little—he had like a little briefcase or something. I don't even think he did. I think he had one. He set it down, and then he's like, "Oh yeah, you see, you want some butter?" I'm like, "Yep." And then the old man goes into the back of the house with the kid, and then they come out, and then the old man gives me the weed, and it's like, dude, I, like, he had it the whole time, like, there's zero, zero doubt in my mind that this dude is the one that had the drugs, and then was just trying to, like, in case I was a cop or something, you know, because I remember they were staring me down, you know, he's like, oh, so you're a friend of Richie's, I'm like, yep, I'm a friend of Richie's, and they, oh, and then finally the dude laughs at me at one point, he's like, all right, I can see he's pretty nervous, I can see he's pretty antsy, we better give him his stuff for him. Piece of pants, or he says something like that, and in my head, I'm like, dude, I could fucking like, what are you doing? Like, why are you poking me? You know, how easy would it be for me to go to the cops and say that there are people selling drugs out of this house, and you guys got nothing on me, right? Like, why would you, why would you antagonize someone who could rake you over the coals? I never did anything about it, but it fucking burned me, you know. And I think you guys have heard me talk about another time how uh, my neighbor one time, you know, I'm go to pay him for some weed and I, I gave him the wrong bill because I was super stoned when I went over there and then he like asked for the bud bag he's like oh you know I'm, I'm around sketchy people you know you go get your money and then I'll give you the bud and it's like dude I live fucking next to you like I live right here and you think I'm going to shaft you on $10 worth of weed but it was another you know position for me to be compromised in and for somebody else to like hold it over me and manipulate me and exert their power over me and it fucking sucked. Anyway, it was a long time, me standing there, and it was shitty. It was risky being on the side of the road like that, having my car on the side of the road like that. It was so messed up. So, anyway, I had to talk to our counselor this week, our school counselor, because if I didn't say what had happened with this kid's brother, you know, my old friend, um, getting in trouble for this, for attempting to rape a toddler, um, I was going to bust you know, it's just how I process things. Like, I had to tell somebody out loud. Like, I had texted another friend, but I literally had to say, like, hey, I just read this thing. Thanks for listening to me say that. <laughs> like, but you know what I'm saying? Um, man. So, anyway, I was in the car accident just before Thanksgiving, right? And so it's been pretty easy to ignore the bud. I did get super drunk two Sunday nights ago, and then I repeated it again the next Sunday night. Turns out that's not very good for your speech and mental cognition either. Um, I'm actually supposed to drink this Friday with some work friends. But I listened to that podcast by Dr. Huberman on uh, alcohol. And it's downright alarming how bad booze is for you. So my plan is to eat a meal before I head over to slow the absorption of the alcohol and to only drink as much as the ones who are driving home, who are also going to be driving home after. Um, it may come as no surprise that when drinking with a bunch of middle-aged women, I do tend to put down more drinks faster than anybody else in the room. <laughs> Ooh, uh, you know, I'm a real stud, right? Yeah. Um, anyway, I think that's one of the two takeaways I want to leave with you guys. You've hung in there with me since the beginning, and the stories you've shared mean the world to me. The first takeaway is that any time in my life I make a particular pursuit all about my own glory, the Lord smashes me back down to zero. All the hours I've spent training for triathlon races, powerlifting competitions, bodybuilding, strongman, half marathons, you name it, and in each endeavor, an injury would take me out of the competitive space. And you add all those injuries up, 
and the net result is a crippled body with severe limitations. Meditating is another example. I wanted to be wise, right? I wanted to be wiser than anybody else. So I started meditating one hour a day every day. Well, I was sitting with poor posture, and I believe that is what led to the bulging disc in my back. It pushed on the spinal cord to the point where I literally could not even walk or stand up. The morning it all came to a head as I continued to ignore like the pain. You know, it was like slowly creeping up on me in the weeks leading up to this. Um, and I'm ignoring the pain, doing my training. I literally, the morning it swacked me, I could not get off my hands and knees. I had to crawl out of the tent in my parents' yard. My wife and I had spent the night in a tent. A bunch of family was at the house. And I had to pee like a dog. I crawled in the yard, peed like a dog. Then I crawled into the house with everybody watching me and laid on the floor with my feet up on the couch. If I wanted to pee again, I had to have my wife hold me up and escort me to the bathroom where I peed while she continued to hold me. So this trend of like God smashing me down when it's all about me, 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 it just keeps going, man. Same thing with my deer season, right? I had it all figured out. I was going to shoot the monster buck. I was going to fill every tag. I'd be the man. And my friends would finally respect what a stud hunter I was. Well, I missed my first doe. Then I shot a doe and a monster buck, biggest buck I've ever seen while hunting. I didn't recover either of them. The broadheads were too dull and too small. I'd gotten them three or four years ago thinking that, you know, oh, I'm all that in a bag of chips because uh, they're 150 grains and everybody else shoots 100 grains. And I did my research and I found a big one. And here's the thing. Don't get me wrong. I, since then, I've acquired massive 200 grain single bevel broadheads, sweet pieces of equipment. But if I was using those, it would have required me to actually sharpen them, right? I had shot them before. They had landed in the dirt. I didn't want to use them. And of course, being a bum, I got time to track down wheat for some reason, but I don't have time to sharpen my broadheads. So anyway, those 150 grain three blades hadn't been shot, but they had been banging around in my quiver and my gear for years, and they got wicked dull. So I still might have recovered that doe, but it rained that night and the next morning. So what's the total sum of deer that I've killed this hunting season, right? I had planned for five, and including one big buck. I shot two dinks. That's all I've done this season. Two tiny-ass deer that were both born this spring, one doe and one button buck. So, uh, doing this podcast has been a series of ups and downs, but the reason I'm ending it is not because I can't stay sober, which, don't get me wrong, is probably justification enough for calling it quits because I'm bringing everybody else down who listens to this. But no, the reason I'm ending it is because I just, dude, I just straight up don't enjoy talking about only one thing over and over. I'd hosted another podcast before this one where I interviewed Northeast athletes on their like competition and training techniques. It was super cool, but I experienced the same burnout. My life is pretty seasonal, man. I'm In the summer, I'm swimming, I'm scouting, I'm backpacking. In the fall, I'm hunting and fishing. And of course, you know, school starts then too, so there's a total shift. Uh, in the winter, I, I try to ski. It's kind of expensive, but I try to ski you know, I'm, or I'm training. Usually, that's a good time for me to get back into the gym. Spring, I'm fishing, I'm hunting, I'm planting. You know, And obviously, there's a lot more, right? Like you're working on the house, you're getting... Hooked on different interests, man. I love reading about that Ayurvedic medicine. Like, I, you know, I just, you stumble upon something in a podcast or whatever, and then you, you go deep, or there's something going on in your life you try to figure out, and boom, all of a sudden you're reading a book about Qigong. <laughs> I just can't keep up with the show at this time in my life, you guys. I can't, it, talking about the same thing doesn't keep me fired up, and so then, therefore, in terms of, like, the priorities, like, where it ranks, it ranks pretty low. You know, and then if I'm not releasing steady episodes, I feel like a total freaking failure. Like, literally, since not releasing an episode, whatever it was, November 26th or something, till now, like, I have just felt like a fucking loser. Like, oh, man, I gotta get an episode out. Oh, gotta get an episode out. Oh, God. And that's not a great way to live life, man. I don't want to feel like a loser. If there's something in your life that's making you feel like a loser, 
Um, now, granted, if you feel like a loser because you're not doing the dishes, like, you should probably do some fucking dishes. You know what I mean? But, like, I spent hundreds of dollars on this podcast, and it's just, it's not enough to keep me going. I can't talk about quitting marijuana for the next 10 years. You know what I mean? It's not sustainable. Um, I don't know. It just, it's not fresh. I like talking about it. I do, but there's just other things. I, I hate being on the computer. And though I think a person could probably take this topic and do really well with a podcast in terms of downloads, because I'm off to, like, 20,000 downloads or something. It's not really about the money for me. Uh, I'm going to shut this down. I'm going to shut it down December 31st, and then I'm going to launch a new podcast using my real name. So, hey, if you hear my voice with these dulcet tones over the uh, the radio, you'll know it's me using my real name, and I'm going to do a fusion of everything I just talked about, right? So what I'm, whatever I'm interested in at that time, is the ep- that's what the episode's going to be about. I really enjoyed having guests on my athletic podcast, and I'm going to bring that back as well. I'm going to pay them, I think it's like, ten, I'm probably going to do like 10 bucks for 20 minutes of them answering some questions that I, me personally, want the answers to. And for the listening experience, I'm also going to request that they ask me two questions at some point in the conversation, just random ones. Um, it just makes the listening 10 times better. It's a lot more fun to, to listen to. And the conversation feels more natural. I like to keep things concise. I can answer questions quick. You know what I mean? So it's not like the show will be all about me. And, uh, and that's where I feel like, too, that lack of being concise is where some of these episodes on this Quitting Marijuana podcast kind of fall short. Um, if you're down to come on the new show as an anonymous guest and talk shop on marijuana, um, about marijuana, shoot me an email at quittingmarijuanapodcast at gmail.com. Maybe we can talk about, like, what it is that got you into it, like, what you would say is, like, the best time of your life when you were smoking, and then, like, what has started to turn you towards realizing you need to, you need to quit the habit, the THC habit. Um, I suspect most of the episodes on this new podcast are going to be revolving around topics, topics like athletics, public education, hunting and fishing, probably some psychology, construction, finance, but there will definitely be a place for this vital issue of THC addiction. I think we owe it to the teens and the young adults of this world to warn them of the reality and consequences of consuming today's high-potency marijuana flower. Again, shoot me an email if you're game to ever come over on the show and talk, or if you're willing to share your story via text, and I'll read it off on the broadcast. I am literally just some everyday dude talking into a mic. Literally, I'm, right now I'm sitting on my couch downstairs with a blanket over my head. The dog keeps like poking me, trying to come in, make me petter. Um, I'm hoping the blanket gets rid of the echo. You might be able to hear the cars ripping through the street in the background. Like, I'm just, dude, I'm just a regular Joe, man. I'm just straight up. So don't think I'm saving your email addresses or any of that bullshit. Like, just some homie here chatting. And uh, I got, <laughs> anyway, um, if there's one last lesson, I guess, I can leave you with, is that I've learned you have to be the good you want to see in others. And I know that's so fucking cliche, but like being good is a choice and being a positive influence is a choice and a rising tide lifts all ships. I say this because for a long time, I looked back on my life at the ways I lifted people up. But since I started using weed, I've been looking back and realizing all the times I brought people down through my drug use, probably some of the worst cases. And I mean, there's a bunch, right? Like, I remember an ex-girlfriend's, her grandma died, and I was too high to go get her car from work. Like, we had gone, somebody had gone and picked up the girlfriend to bring her home real quick so we could all, like, kind of commiserate. The grandma was getting taken out of the house in an ambulance. And then I got stoned with the girlfriend's sister's brother, and then I was too high to go get her car. I was like, no, I literally can't drive. 
but anyway, that's, I mean, that's a bad one. Shit, I haven't thought about that in a while. But um, how about this? My aunt started using weed again after being clean for decades. She's an alcoholic. She had quit smoking weed, quit using booze, and then just me... Well, hey, well, you know, you're taking these pharmaceuticals for depression. Maybe you should smoke a little weed. And now she's smoking a lot, a lot of fucking weed. I don't think she has any idea how much she's smoking. Um, my hunting buddy, right? We just talked about that. He started smoking after decades of being clean. My brother, my little brother can't seem to get clean. And then, you know, here we are with my childhood friends looking up for me, looking to me for inspiration, you know, and then they're let down. And, and for God's sake, my drug-dealing neighbor, who I hit up just this morning for Bud, since I'm jonesing after smoking yesterday, right? He's actually getting clean so he can get a CDL. So God only knows what my text asking for weed might have awoken inside of him. Now he's on this journey, right? Like my, I brought him down. I didn't bring him up with that text. My wife has never been happier in these 15 days of no weed. And with the exception of her being sad and stressed on the two days I drank. She's never told me that my being inebriated brings her down. But I notice when I'm not, she lifts up, she comes up. There was a part of me that blamed her depression on why I continued to smoke. But now I realize it's probably my smoking that's helping to keep her down. A rising tide lifts all boats, my friends. And I pray that you will start lifting up those you come in contact with. We admire Goggins for his drive, his sobriety, his sacrifice. But it's pretty clear you don't need to be a David Goggins or a Jordan Peterson to change the lives of those around you. You just need to be better than you are right now. And the reality is, if you take a small enough step, that's pretty easy to do. Enough of those steps and you've climbed a mountain. May God bless you and keep you. Remember to find satisfaction in the struggle and peace in the moment. This is Jonah, signing off for the last time. Thank you.